أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وسلم تسليما كثيرا So the point of this gathering is to um, just do a little bit of a, a, a visualization um, a conceptualization of the rundown of some of the stuff that we're going to do on this trip. Now, the first thing that people should understand is that your trip starts from the time that you make your niyyah to go. So don't just be like, oh, I'm going to be watching like weird videos on YouTube and like hanging out and whatever, and then I'll be pious once uh, I get to Mecca. Um, those types of things don't really work out well. Much like in life, if you want to be on time, you have to be early because if you're trying to be on time, you'll always be late. Uh, this is something that you have to start, get yourself in the mindset right now. So for those of us who may have been heedless of it until now, now is the time to remind oneself that like all actions, this is a act of piety. This is a great act of piety, but it will only be useful to us if Allah Ta'ala accepts it. And Allah Ta'ala only accepts from the ones who fear Him. So start comporting and conducting yourself as if you are. As if you are already on the trip. That you're already doing your Umrah right now. The things that you do to go toward Umrah. Whether it be physically toward it. Or whether it be in terms of preparations. Mental or material. Uh, all of them you'll be receiving reward. You'll be getting reward for them. So the first thing I want to say is that whatever you need to do, if you need to go shopping, buy your ihram, buy good sandals, buy uh, provisions for the journey, uh, buy your whatever cliff bars or whatever other things that you want for it, all of these things will count as a nafaqa fi sabilillah. Uh, and so this is not from extravagance. All of these things will re receive the reward of sadaqah for them. So go out and buy them and prepare yourself properly. Think of the things you're going to need. Don't get yourself stuck. Don't get yourself stuck in the in the trip, uh, deficient of something or needing something, needing to ask somebody for something. Um, if it happens, it happens. Inshallah, we'll all, we're all there to help. But it's against the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that people who are visiting the Haramain Sharifain should put themselves in such a situation. Um, so start preparing. Everything you do in terms of preparation is an act of piety. It will count uh, with reward for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Uh, as as if it's an act of piety, as if it's part of your umrah, uh, because your niyyah is like that. So the first thing that I wanted to start with was um, everybody should be at the airport uh, four hours before the flight leaves. Um, this is not a normal trip. When you're traveling with a group, things move slower. And uh, you don't want to be late for anything. You want to ever have everyone checked in and having met one another at the airport. Hopefully, we'll say our say our isha together before we leave. Right? What time is the departure? 10 departure is ten twenty. So you know we'll pray our maghrib and isha together. Hopefully, at the airport, uh, uh, and uh, uh, you know that way, if someone forgets something or something happens, uh, when you move with the group, you always move at the speed of the slowest person, so things take more time. So don't think of this as if you're going like, you know, just yourself or you and your spouse to 
uh, you know, going going to the you know for the weekend to LA or something like that. It's not going to be like that. It's not going to things are not going to proceed like that. So be there, be there early. Check in, you know, look online for what the baggage allowances are for uh, uh, Turkish Airlines. Um, they give what two bags that are fifty pounds each. Uh, and travel light. Don't max out your weight. The reason I mentioned the the baggage allowances is that don't expect that you're going to take something more or bring something more than that unless you're going to pay. And if you pay, they're going to make you pay through the nose. Don't come to the airport to argue. Don't try to get a freebie out of them. Be prepared. Do everything in an orderly fashion. The visitation of the Haram Sharif is very different than normal things that, that we do, right? We have especially some of our uh, public, like, you know, that are from certain backgrounds. We're very used to maxing out value out of everything, pinching every every uh, uh, opportunity that we have and maxing out our value for whatever we do. Um, and this is not appropriate on this trip. On this trip, you want to be as orderly as is possible. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, come with your, your baggage proper. Um, they have the bright green, neon green Al-Haram uh, baggage tags. It is not the most fashionable motif. It sticks out. Uh, from far away, that's good. That's in your interest, so your bags don't get lost. They don't get mixed up in the hotels or at the even at the airport or whatever. Even the baggage handlers at the airport know that the similar tags belong with similar uh, tag bags. So please have those filled out. Everything don't you know? Don't wait for them for the airport. Uh, uh, you know, have uh, passport pouches. They were given to you also. Um, if you don't have a better one that you own, at least bring those. Um, and uh, uh, don't just walk around with you carelessly with your passport in your pocket and things like that. An American passport for those of us, some of us may not travel so frequently, an American passport is something that you don't want to lose. I mean, it becomes a big problem. Uh, it becomes a big problem if you lose an American passport. It becomes a, a huge issue. Uh, your own embassy is going to treat you with contempt uh, if you come to them and say you lost your passport. So be very careful. You know, have have your your passport and all your papers, you know, you have your passport, you have a copy of your Turkish visa. You should have a copy of your passport, a photocopy of your passport um, in another bag. You should have a digital copy of your passport on your uh, on your uh, on your phone or in your email uh, uh, account in case you lose it, in case you have to prove, you know, your identity to get back into the country. Um, it's been suggested in certain quarters that our people are not extra welcome when they come back to the airport, so don't give them an excuse to treat you badly. Um, and then afterwards, say, oh, I went to Umrah and this happened and that happened. We want to avoid problems. We want to have no complaints because this is a trip that um, the sunnah is not to complain about anything. So make it easy for yourself to follow the sunnah. Don't make it difficult by making putting yourself in a, in a position where you're... You're in a, you know, you have to ask someone for help, or you have to complain about something, or it's easy for you to complain about something. Again, if something happens and you need help, we're all there for each other. But uh, you know, to put yourself in a position where you need help uh, for something that you could have avoided—that's not a good thing. Not a good thing on this trip. So this is part of your part of your umrah as well. Show up well prepared and show up beforehand. Show up early to everything, and that brings me to the next point: that this is a journey also of sabr. Don't be like, oh, I paid this much money and I want this and I want that and I want that. No, this is a journey of sabr. The reason you're going to this journey is not to have fun and to make friends and meet people. 
The reason you're going to this journey is to visit the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to visit the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Everything else is like a pyramid of sabr that, 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 that this, these two goals lie upon. All of it is sabr. So show up early and wait for others. And under no circumstance should you ever be in a position where people have to wait for you. Always be prepared to wait for others. Don't, you know, don't put other people in a position to wait for you. If we get to the Jeddah airport and there's a long line, this is a journey of sabr. Just wait. If we, you know, the bags take longer to get out or someone's bag, you know, God forbid, gets lost or misdirected, just wait. If you are stuck in Jeddah and all you're wearing is your ihram and you have no other clothes, don't worry. You can talk to Mulvi Hamza. He will give you 50 rials. You can go buy a thobe or like a abaya or something like that or buy whatever. Don't freak out though. Okay, whatever happens, happens. Even if the worst thing happens, which is what? Which is you lose all your bags and they don't find them again. Khalas, all of it counts that it was lost in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you lose your money, it counts as if it counts as lost in the path of Allah Ta'ala. God forbid someone lose their life. We're not planning for that. Please abstain from losing life if at all possible. Uh, but if even if that happens, imagine that that Allah Ta'ala will write for you your khatima that you uh, that, that you perished in the uh, the in the path of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. So don't worry about any of that stuff. Just be just have patience, have sabr with whatever happens. Don't complain about anything to anybody. Don't complain about anything to anybody. Your goal is what? To visit Allah Ta'ala's house and visit the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The reward for it is what? That the, from one Umrah to another Umrah is a kafara, it's an expiation for your sins. And the, the reward for visiting the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is what? Is that he will give you his shafa'ah on the Day of Judgment. Whoever visits my grave, then it becomes incumbent on me to intercede for him on the Day of Judgment. So this is what you're going for. This is worth whatever like small amount of money you and I are paying for this trip. This is what, what it's all about. Don't destroy that. Don't destroy... Your deeds are not like money that you deposit in the bank. Your deeds are like a crop, like a seed that you put into the ground and it will be harvested on Yom Qiyamah. You can mess it up. You can put the seed in the ground, but there's many opportunities to mess it up and kill the crop before it's time for harvest. Don't mess it up by complaining. This, this specific, this act uh, of, of visiting uh, uh, the house of Allah Ta'ala and visiting the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this specific act is ruined by what? By complaining. It's watered and it's, it's the fertilizer and the water of this crop is what? The patience and the difficulty you go through. The preparation you go through. If you are mu'afa fi badnika wa fi malika, Allah Ta'ala keeps you healthy and strong. You don't get sick during this trip, and you have all of everything goes according to plan. Then you're in a position to help other people. Then you're doing really well, mashallah. Then you go and help people carry someone else's bag, do some khidmah for the other people, so that you can bag the reward for their umrah as well as yours. The thing that the poison that will kill this crop, the way of like putting on a pair of steel toe boots and like smashing the crop into the ground uh, is what snuffing it out is what by complaining that i oh janab i you know expected this i expected that this didn't happen that didn't happen sometimes your complaints may even be legitimate doesn't matter right if your complaint is illegitimate that's like really horrible that's like double horrible even if your complaints are legitimate you're going to what? Visit the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You cannot teleport there. You have to go through some sort of means. You picked a means 
whatever happened happened but the point is between this is between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you make it about other than you and Allah ta'ala uh, uh, then it's going to diminish your returns you're going to get from this is diminished uh, uh, and obviously alhamdulillah this is a, a group that's you know God fearing and upright people are going together uh, mistakes do happen but you know really hopefully there's nothing nothing wrong is going to happen big or small inshallah but you know you should have the intention sometimes you know the reward all you need to do to get a great amount of reward is just to have an intention if something does go wrong that that i'm ready to be patient and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inshallah protect us from all of these things so you're at the airport you're on the plane the plane is going to land at four something p.m in istanbul inshallah okay the uh, uh the only prayer we're going to have to pray in the plane is what fajr Right? The only prayer we're going to have to pray on the plane is Fajr. Your sunnas, your two sunnah raka'at before Fajr, pray them sitting please, in your seat. Don't pray them, don't pray them standing. And your fard prayer that you're going to pray standing, um, pray them quickly. Don't, don't be like, oh look, I'm on, uh, I'm on uh, uh, Umrah. So, mashallah, Chicago is the city of Hafaz. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna shine my Surah Al-Baqarah and all this other good stuff. Okay, go pray, pray kal kothar and and kulhu Allahu ahad, and then you can read Baqarah in your seat afterward, inshallah. So, so you're going to pray uh, 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 standing. The question will arise. Sit up, sit comfortably. You you also otherwise people are gonna sit takat mutakallifan. If you don't mind, do you mind just clearing it so if other people come, they can sit also. This is room for them. So, the question arises, which direction is the Qibla? Uh, the plane is going in the direction of the Qibla for the whole route. So, that's, that's, that's check. Second question, what time do we pray at? Okay, This is a little bit more complicated of a calculation. For those of you who have uh, math and some... Uh, uncommon level of common sense you can probably estimate you know uh to a to a fair degree if it's like all too much for you right there's two things you can do one is you look out the window okay if you look to the east right we're going to be traveling probably at that time directly eastbound so it'll be difficult to look to the east so if you try to try to look as forward as possible the east southeast so from the right side of the plane forward right side of the plane when, when you see more light than nighttime, but the sun hasn't risen yet. Then it's time you can pray. Um, if even that's too much for you to figure out, uh, then you know what we'll do is we'll all know each other, and you'll see you'll see like we'll just send a signal around. Not everyone has to go pray exactly at the same time. Um, it's not even possible to do that if you want to, and it's probably going to annoy the rest of the people on the plane and the flight crew. Um, but uh, yeah, wherever you find a place, inshallah. Uh, go ahead and pray your two raka'at, inshallah, quickly, orderly, and then come back to your seat. I suggest everybody for this journey, keep a small prayer prayer rug. Don't keep the standard ones. Sisters, there's the one like the blue one that's where you're sitting. Those are like big, thick ones. Don't keep those. There's always like a small look. Like these ones are like paper thin. You can show the sisters as well. You can fold it up and stick it in your pocket real easy. Uh, if you don't have one to bring with you, you can buy one there for like 10 rials. Buy one there real easy, real cheap. You should probably have one like this with you anyway, wherever you go. But uh, if you have one, bring it with you in your check bags. 
that way you can pray. Unfortunately, unfortunately, until a time comes where people uh, have a little bit more common sense regarding these things, Turkish Airlines and other Muslim country airlines, most of them at least, they serve alcohol. So you don't want to just pray on the, you know, pray on the, the surface that they're, that they're, that they're on. Um, I think uh, an adequate solution, uh, if uh, an adequate solution, if uh, just close the barda behind you, uh, if if you're not able to bring one or if you forget or whatever, is usually they give blankets, right, for these uh, overnight flights, Baizul uh, right? They give a blanket in the seat. You can use the blanket also. You may not want to actually use it as a blanket after you've put it on the on the galley floor or whatever, but uh, that 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 suffices as well. So two rakahs, not so horrible. You know, uh, for those of us who are able to keep your wudu, it may be better to try to keep your wudu after the plane uh, leaves. Um, so, f- okay, we're going to leave at what, 10 o'clock you said? 10:20. So if we leave at 10.20 and we estimate Fajr to be at like what? Right, Fajr like 6.30, okay? Yeah. So that's, that's how many hours? That's eight hours and plus you're crossing, crossing a, a, a roughly an hour every time zone. So... It's going to be, this is not exactly true, but start looking for the signs of Fajr out the window like four hours into the flight. So if you can keep your wudu for like four hours, which some people, most people, inshallah, should be able to do, it may be more convenient than trying to stick your foot up in the sink uh, uh, um, in the plane. By, by the way, if you have to make wudu, you have to make wudu, right? Just stick your foot in, do, do what you need to do. Wipe down the, the bathroom. Don't let it be like you're all pietitis, all wudu'd out and ready to pray standing, you know, because you're going to Jannah and stuff. And then the next person who goes into the bathroom is like utterly horrible. You know, wipe, wipe, take the, take the tissues, not the tissues, the, uh, pa- the paper towels, wipe them down, uh, wipe down the, the area, this, the mirror, the sink, all that stuff. After you're done, throw it all away. Wash your hands one more time uh, when you're done. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, don't, don't be a pain for other people that your religiosity makes an annoyance for other people that people will then curse the dean afterward when they're uh, done using the bathroom. So the point is, is that, that, you know, all these things, keep them in mind, do them in an orderly fashion and be mindful of, of, of not causing difficulty to others uh, in order to facilitate your own piety. But at the same time, uh, uh, you know, uh, not, uh, uh, not neglecting your duties to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to other people as well. Um, then when we land, inshallah, in Istanbul, we will uh, uh, probably have some time before our bags come out and before we clear immigration. So there's usually an airport, at airports there's usually a bathroom pretty close to the, to the, where you exit the plane from. If you need to, you can make wudu and pray right there, inshallah. Yeah, what I don't remember is the last one uh, in December, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is the, I know there's multiple masajid inside the Istanbul airport. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's one right before immigration. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, there are mus- multiple musallas in the airport. If there is one b- between uh, the the jet bridge and immigration, great. If not, just move to the side, you know. And uh, uh, the 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 qibla is southeast from from Istanbul, so you know the sun will be setting in the west. So uh, uh, you know, just just pray. If you don't, if you have hard time determining the qibla, you can ask ask Mulana Tamim or myself, Sheikh Musa. You know, and it's it's not a big deal. Don't stress out about these things as well. You know, just this is part of trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of it will happen inshallah. Uh, um, just, you know, be diligent about things, not don't stress out. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're gonna pray probably before, pray dhuhr in order to catch dhuhr on time. 
We'll pray with her before uh, 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 clearing customs. Then get your bags. Um, the the Turkish visa is a just a sheet of paper that's folded up and attached to your passport. So make sure that sheet of paper is there. Don't separate it out or take it out. Show it to them at the at the thing at the at the what the custom uh, uh, immigration sorry the immigration stand. And then once we clear immigration, all of us uh, should gather together on the other side. And then we have a bus that's waiting for us that's going to take us to the airport, inshallah. Uh, uh, sorry, not to the airport, to the hotel. From the airport to the hotel. Barakallahu feekum. Then, inshallah, uh, um, when we get to the hotel, we'll unload our staff. Um, we will have some of the program, inshallah. I think Paisal Karnin will talk a little bit more about it. We'll give him a chance to talk about that as well. But uh, um, the idea is stay together. If you go somewhere, if you separate, tell somebody that you're going. If it's really far, maybe it's good to make mashwara with the group leaders, you know, before going. Because sometimes you may think you'll be able to go and come back on time and you won't. Or you'll be absent and then people will worry about you. They'll call the police. They'll contact your family members. Uh, that type of stuff. We don't want anything like that to happen. So everyone should stay in communication. Our WhatsApp group that we have, uh, it's going to obviously still be live when we go to Turkey. Uh, you should have Wi-Fi in the airport. If you're really enterprising, you should be able to pick up a SIM, uh, 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 f- you know, from any any one of the cell phone shops over there. Although you really shouldn't need one. Uh, um, the point is that 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 you can use that for communication as well, and you should. We don't necessarily need to post like, oh, I found this very inspiring video of like Adhan from uh, you know some masjid somewhere in some weird place. We don't need to really put those things up. Uh, on that on that group but if you're going somewhere or if you have a question or you need to know something you know stay in communication with the group so that uh, uh, so that inshallah everyone knows where you are we can take care of you and you also don't uh, uh, unwittingly become the source of uh, anxiety for someone so turkey inshallah will spend that night inshallah in istanbul uh, uh, really close to the the masjid of sultan muhammad fatih rahimahullah ta'ala and uh, 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 the next day, inshallah, we'll get a chance to go visit the top copy palace and see the relics of the Prophet sallallahu and of the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Um, uh, you know, the, a number of things. There's some hair of the Prophet sallallahu There's a cloak of the Prophet sallallahu There are the swords and armor of the Prophet sallallahu and his companions radiallahu ta'ala anhum. And some also uh, historical artifacts from the different uh, uh, different. Uh, 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 Khulafa and Sultans of the Ottoman Empire, um, the Sanjak Sharif, the 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 the, the, the standard, uh, the flag of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is also housed over there. We can go visit it. Uh, um, all of those things, inshallah, we'll visit those things. We'll visit uh, different masajid and things like that, and also we'll relax. You know, we don't have to go super enterprising about uh, you know about our time in Istanbul. Uh, we'll relax as well because we have some uh, tedium ahead of us. Um, and then the next day, so we land and spend one night, and then we spend an entire day and spend that night. And then the next morning, right after Fajr, we got to bounce. Bouncing means what? You have to have your ihram and your carry-on. You have to have your what? You have to have your ihram in your carry-on. If you put your ihram in your checked bag... You can pay for the uh, uh, animal you have to slaughter for having like crossed the miqat without having ihram on. 
That is not something that Al-Haram is going to pay for. That is your bad. You have to have your ihram where? In your in your checked bag. So before you sleep on that night, right? So we're leaving Thursday night. Okay, we're we're gonna spend Friday night there. And then we're going to spend Saturday night. Saturday before you go to sleep, your ihram should be separated and in your in your in your carry-on stuff. It should not be in your checked bag at all. Okay, ihram means what? Right? Ihram means the 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 state of pilgrim sanctity. Okay, the ihram consists of a number of parts, but it means a state of pilgrim sanctity. For the sisters. It doesn't mean anything different in their clothing except for that their hands and their face has to be exposed. Now, some of our sisters are going to, uh, uh, you know, wear some uh, modified ihram niqab, which usually involves like a baseball cap or a visor or something like that, that a piece of cloth hangs over from the front. But you cannot wear a niqab at, at any rate. You cannot wear a niqab or burqa or something that mutalasik that sticks with your, with your face. Uh, and your hands have to be exposed as well. So your hands can be underneath like a, a chadar, but they cannot. You cannot have the gloves on something that's that's like wrapped around your hands or something. Uh, and so, but otherwise, they can wear whatever footgear they want. They can wear whatever clothes they want. For the brothers, the ihram is uh, uh, the clothing of the ihram. I should say is two unstitched pieces of cloth. One of them you wear wrap around your lower uh, uh, your lower uh, uh, half, and one of them you wrap around your upper half. Uh, it is very important that it is very important that you also practice putting these on and wearing them uh, uh, from before, uh, and that you also be mindful for those of us who are not accustomed to who, to uh, wearing an izar. You be mindful about how you expose yourself with these things because you'll sit in certain ways when you have pants. There's really no way to see inside uh, 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 unless someone's like ultra. You know, like whatever. But the point is, is that let's not go there. There's no, there's, there's no way. That you're basically covered from all different sides. Whereas if you have, if you have a izar on, if you have like a waist wrap on, there may be a certain way you're sitting that you're accustomed to sitting. You're exposing yourself. You don't even know it. So be very, very mindful. Be very mindful about the way you sit, the way you comport yourself, because it's still haram to expose yourself. Uh, 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 and it's in fact even more haram because you're in the holy and sacred land. So be very mindful about that. Uh, it may be awkward that I'm saying this right now, but it's not as awkward as it can get if you don't be mindful of what I'm saying. So you will put on, you will put on and wear that stuff to the airport. Okay, don't expect to have a place in the airport to change, especially if you're not accustomed to wearing izar. You'll have a small toilet stall, you know, where the floor will probably have like you know questionable moisture, moisture, moisture surfaces, surfaces. And if you're not accustomed to putting it on, you don't want stuff dragging on the floor and change. Just, just put put the at least the lower part, the lower part of the garment on before you go to the airport. If you want to, I would recommend actually you wear a kameez, like a shirt or a, a, a kurta or a thobe or whatever over it. Okay? that But the lower garment, you have to have it on. Okay? Under no circumstances should you ever, should you ever think you're going to change it, change in the plane. Okay? The bathroom is so tight in there and there's so little space between seats. 
you will expose you you will expose yourself you will just make it really bad for everybody at that point i will say you know what just put it on when you get to the Jeddah airport and pay for the pay for the dumb pay for the sacrifice in order to rectify it because you're going to do end up doing something haram in order to so don't don't even entertain the idea that you're going to change in the in the plane i've seen it happen once it was very strange uh our, uh maybe you know we can talk about that it's a funny story we can talk about on the thing it was a french hajj group and it involved a very confident uh, hajj group leader who like basically like helped himself into the like first class section and changed uh, in their big bathroom up there and like then proceeded to grab the intercom and make announcements on the plane it was very strange uh we're not going to do that um so don't do it okay now when you enter when you enter now you're entering a, a an increasingly more and more sacred space the first the first boundary you'll 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 cross is what from darul kufr into darul islam when you're in turkey say salam to people be nice to people obviously you should be nice to everyone anyway right but mashallah, those those people say salam to the people. Be very careful about how you treat them. Be nice to them. Be very careful about how you how you deal with people over there. The second boundary is in the miqat. The miqat is a a, a border around the Haram Sharif that extends in all directions. Um, somewhere maybe like twenty minutes before the plane lands, we're gonna cross the miqat. There will be a an announcement on the plane. The pilot will say. We will cross the miqat in, in uh, uh, whatever, half an hour or whatever. Usually they make the announcements early. Um, if you have, a, as a point of just intellectual curiosity, the miqat of the people coming from the north is a city called Juhfa. Juhfa is not inhabited anymore. It's not on most maps. But there's a city that, that where Juhfa ends... There's another city called Rabigh, which is inhabited to this day, and it usually shows up on on the maps. You know, like you know, when you're in an airplane, oftentimes they have like the uh, a screen in every seat. Right? Usually, those maps that, that shows the flight path, they'll have Rabigh on there. So, at any rate, Rabigh is where the miqat is for for uh, uh, the people coming from the north, except for the people who are coming from Medina, which we're not. We're coming from Istanbul. So, when you cross. Before you cross Rabigh, what the miqat is, is that, that border or that area around the haram, which a person who is coming to visit the house of Allah Ta'ala, a person has to, that's going to be in ihram, has to be in a state of ihram before crossing that border. Okay? So, we talked about one aspect of ihram, which is the clothing you wear. We say this is this. Are you wearing your ihram? This is ihram. I'm gonna go send my ihram to the cleaners. That's just the clothing you wear for ihram. Ihram is a state that you're in. The clothing is a component of it. Another component of ihram is what is that you cannot cut your hair or cut your nails. So it is a sunnah before coming into ihram that you cut your you know whatever uh, shaving you need to do, whatever a person needs to uh, uh, do, whatever personal grooming. Uh, 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 masnoon, you know, like uh, personal grooming, uh, uh, they do it from before before that time. So that Saturday night, that's the time to do it, basically. Okay, cut your nails, cut your, uh, you know, whatever underarm hair, uh, shave your underarm hair, and your other uh, private parts, and all these masnoon things. You do all that stuff at that time. It's a sunnah to do it, uh, especially at that time. 
if you know, mashallah, you're uh, 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 whatever other things a person does, whatever you need to do, you, you do it at that time. The third thing is you cannot wear any perfume or any oil. Okay? No moisturizer, no uh, scented uh, stuff that you put on, soap and things like that. Um, there are things called unscented soap. My experience is that really very few of them are actually unscented. They have like places like uh, uh, Whole Foods or whatever. You may be able to get like a bar. It's like transparent. It really has no scent in it. Even that, you should use it sparingly and only when necessary. Uh, the idea of ihram is that you should be in a state of sha'at, that you should be in a disturbed and perturbed state. You should be in a disheveled state when you come to when you come to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is not a, 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 a law that you should look for loopholes in order to skirt it. This is a law that has a point. And the point of this law of not being able to, uh, you know, like put, put on like... Uh, whatever uh, 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 scents and oils and things like that, and moisturizers, creams, lotions, things like that, is what that you should be in a disheveled state by the time you get to the house of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. For us, the time that we put the ihram, from the time that we put the ihram to the time that we uh, are done with our umrah, is actually an even shorter time than it was in the past. So just don't go there. Don't use these like you know, like if you use the bathroom and things like that, the the soap dispensers and things like that. Don't use them; they're all scented. If you accidentally do it, immediately take it, take it, uh, take uh, your hand and wash, rub it off as much as you can. Wash it off as much as you can immediately. Uh, uh, but the second thing is what? No sense, no oils. The one exception to this is if a person is walking and they get cracks in their feet that become painful to walk on or start to bleed, then you can use some Vaseline or something like that. There's an exemption for that. Uh, um, but you know, again, uh, uh, that's, that's an exception, not the rule. And hopefully no one will get to that point. Although it's possible it does happen from time to time. So that's, that's the first thing is what you don't, you're not going to, uh, uh, wear stitched clothing. The second thing we mentioned is that you're not going to, uh, be able to clip your nails, cut your hair, pick scabs, remove things from your, you know, whatever body, uh, uh, um, you know, picking a scab or a scar or something like that. Uh, you don't do any of that. No scents, no oils, uh, none of these things. Uh, those of us who are married, when you're in ihram, you're basically like brother and sister. Okay? Like really. No, I love you. Generally, mashallah, it's good to say I love you to one another, mashallah. Just don't say it in front of like other people because then people will be like, what the hell? But like, you know, you should be affectionate with one another. That's good. For the purpose of ihram, you are like brother and sister. The same way that you would never like give that kind of affectionate like treatment to your... If you wouldn't say it to your sister, don't say it to your wife. If you wouldn't say it to your brother, don't say it to your husband when you're ihram. Don't look at each other. Don't touch each other. Uh, uh, you know, what is it, haram? No, it's still not haram to touch one another, but it could lead to haram very easily. So just don't do it. If you got like a double room, then like, you know, be on other sides of the room. Don't be very careful about this. Okay, this is a, a, a very a severe violation of ihram. If a person, if a husband and wife or any two people have like relations in the state of ihram, then like you will like trigger like the whole, like holy, like, world war of like penalties like there's like so much stuff that you have to sort through it just becomes just don't go there don't go there don't joke about stuff okay uh i it's embarrassing to admit i guess in front of the sisters but 
you know, some of the ulama kiram have been known to have a very uh, uh, strange sense of humor <laughs> with regards to different things. Uh, um, don't joke about anything. Don't innuendo. It's like so much part of our humor. It's part of like the way we talk about stuff, whatever. Uh, don't just don't. No, N not not explicitly, not implicitly. No smirk. No no laugh. No nothing. Don't point it out. Don't whatever. Just look the other way and shut up and keep moving. When you're in ihram, just look the other way, shut up, and keep moving. If you can do it for the whole trip, good for you. That's the that's the spirit in which this trip should be. Even certain, you know, the idea is ihram is that you make certain things haram that were halal from before, right? So something may not be something may not be haram, like you know, to joke about certain things as long as you're not joking about something haram or whatever. There's a lot of leeway, you know. Some people are. I myself am a person who enjoys laughing and joking about things. This is not the time and place to do it, especially when you're in ihram. Uh, uh, but in general, when you're in Makkah, Mukarramah, Madina, Munawwara, this is not the time to do it. In 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 general, when you're on the trip, to go and come from there. So don't don't uh, uh, you know don't you know don't don't go there. Don't look you know lower your gaze anyway. But this like double triple lower your gaze. Don't 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 be like that. Don't be the person who's uh, nasib uh, from visiting Makkah, Mukarramah, and Madina, Munawwara is that that they just you know look at other people uh, in a way that's bad that don't be the person that that's all you get out of this trip or that's something that you carry with you out of this trip um you know people especially people come from uh, america to the muslim world they expect that everything is going to be somehow like you know the entire world is going to turn into a masjid or a khanqa or something like that and it's not the case so just be mindful of that um don't people watch or any of this other stuff just keep your head down and know what you're there for the uh, 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 these are the prohibitions of ihram. Then, when you're uh, 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 going to enter into the state, so the announcement has been made, we'll enter into the into the miqat in the next fifteen minutes or something like that. Okay. Then, if you're wearing a thobe or whatever, you can take that top off and then put the put the other sheet, you know, around your shoulders. Um, and, and then, what you want to do is you want to get on the plane in a state of wudu. If you don't have it at this point, then go make it. Okay, but you want to enter the state in, plane in the state of wudu. Then, obviously, you're going toward Makkah Mukarramah. So, again, the Qibla is very easy. It's just the direction the point, plane is pointed in. Okay? Maybe maybe slightly to your left. Because Jeddah is east of Makkah Mukarramah, but very slightly. Because it's not a far the prayer, it's a sunnah to pray two raka'ahs before entering into ihram. Because it is not a far the prayer, just pray it in your seat. The sunnah is to what? To to recite al-Fatiha and qul ya ayyuhal kafirun in the first raka'ah and al-Fatiha and qul huwa Allahu ahad in the second raka'ah and then after you're done with the with the prayer you make dua you make dua that Allah Ta'ala make easy for you the, 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 the discharging of your duties as a, a pilgrim and that he accept it from you and that he make it a, a means for your betterment in this world and the hereafter, and he make it a means to change for the better. Uh, the ihram state, you can't cover your head, but you're not in ihram yet. The two rak'ahs are from before you enter ihram. So you can take some portion of the, you can take some portion of your ihram uh, upper garment, you know, and you can just keep it over your head like this as well while you're praying, while you're praying the two rak'at, right? After, after, once you enter into ihram, you cannot cover your head. 
Just like the sisters, their ihram is in not having clothing on their face or on their hands. For the brothers, it's not having it on their head at all or on their hands. Those should be exposed. You can put your hands into the blanket, but you can't have something. You actually wear like gloves or something covering your hands. Wrap your hands up in something. You can't do that. <clears throat> so, what did we do? We, uh, 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 we've now prayed our two rak'ahs and we've made our dua. Before we cross the boundary into Miqat, the act by which we will enter into Ihram is what? To say the Talbiyah. Labbaik Allahumma labbaik. Labbaik la sharika laka labbaik. Inna alhamda wa ni'mata laka wal mulk. La sharika lak. Inshallah, maybe we'll just make a recording of it and like, send it as a separate file on the WhatsApp group. You listen to it a couple of times, inshallah, you'll remember it. Labbaik is an interesting word. It's not a normal usage in the Arabic language. Labbaik is an idiomatic expression which is used for when a, a master calls a slave. The slave will answer, Labbaik. When a master calls a slave, the slave will answer what? Labbaik. It is the answer that the person who is in complete humility and submission gives. It's not like, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. Just give me a minute. Or, yeah, I'm coming. Labbaik, I'm here. That's it. I'm at your service. Labbaik, Allahumma labbaik. I'm at your service. Ya Allah, I'm at your service. Labbaik, ala sharika laka labbaik. I'm at your service. There is no partner unto you. I'm at your service. Inna alhamda wa ni'mata laka wal mulka la sharika lak. All praises to you and all blessings uh, come from you. And all ownership of all things belongs to you. You have no partner. Labbaik uh, means not just what? It means not just that I'm here right now. Rather, the meaning of labbaik is ijabatan ba'da ijaba. That I'm at your service time and time again. Every time, it doesn't mean that I'm just here at your service right now. It means I'm at your service every time you call me. And when a person says this labbaik, it means what? If you have a niyyah to commit a sin in the future, your labbaik is rejected. If you have a niyyah that you're going to do this thing and then you're going to go back to your home and whatever, you should have gone to Disneyland because your labbaik is rejected. If you have a niyyah that you're going to uh, 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 you know, be the same as you were when you came from before, then your labbaik will not be accepted. So who are you to say who my labbaik is accepted or not? This is, what, this is what comes in the books of hadith. This is what comes in the books of the fuqaha. This is the tajriba, the, the experience also of the, the awliya and the salihin is that whenever someone came with a, 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 a weak labbaik like this, it wasn't accepted because that's not even what the word labbaik means. Think about what does it mean that yeah that if your life afterward calls for you to what to sacrifice for the sake of Allah you lose your job you'll you know this your thing will happen you'll lose money you'll go through difficulty whatever you go through because of the commandment of Allah Taala and you're following it labbaik means ijabatan ba'da ijaba every time you call me I'll come back I'll I'll be at your service this is not a small uh, uh, thing to say and the truth of the matter is is that a person should fear, how am I going to fulfill this? And the answer to that question is, Allah will fulfill it. So ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we have did this as a, a, in conformance with the sunnah of your Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We went ahead and said this thing and we have intention for it and it's difficult to fulfill. In humility, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the ability and the power to fulfill it then afterward.
But this is what the meaning of Labbaik is. And if you're not going to have that meaning, you should have gone to Disneyland. You should have gone to Dubai for the weekend. You should have done something else because this is not, this trip is, you know, something that, that the meaning of which is something else. So a person will say the Talbiya Labbaik, Allahumma Labbaik, Labbaik la sharika laka Labbaik, inna alhamda wa ni'mata laka wal mulk, la sharika lak. After this, as long as a person is in ihram, it is a sunnah for them. It is a sunnah for them to say the talbiyah uh, uh, frequently. For the sisters, they say it to themselves in a voice that they can hear. Maybe someone sitting next to them can hear it. For the brothers, it's a, a sunnah to raise your voice when saying it. You don't shout at the top of your lungs, but you also don't say it in a, a you know in a quiet voice like uh, uh, like the shatan of the women is. And you say it frequently in the beginning several times. And then afterward, you don't have to be saying it constantly. But afterward, you should say it every time some change, you have some change in your state. So if you're standing, if you sit down, you should say it. If you're sitting and you stand up, you should say it. If you uh, if your vehicle starts moving, you should say it. If it stops, you should say it. If you go up, you should say it. If you go down, you should say it. When, pe- when you, Last thing before you go to sleep or take a nap, you should say it. The first thing when you wake up, you should say it. Uh, the, when you pray, the first thing after saying salam, you should say it before saying any of your other adhkar. When two muhrims meet one another, they should look at each other and say the talbiyah and then say salam. This is a sunnah many people have neglected. There are many people who will say it in the beginning just to get it out of the way and then they're too cool to say it. Or they'll like kind of undercover say it because you know, someone might see me. That's not the shatan of the hajj and umrah. Even if everyone else in the group is behaving that way, don't behave that way. The sunnah is what? That the, 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 the valleys of Makkah, as you get closer and closer, that they should be echoing with the, the sound of the talbiyah of the, the different people of the different nations of the earth from every direction they come to. Makkah Mukarramah. Uh, all of, the, all of the, 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 the blessed and sacred valley should be echoing with the sound of what? Of the talbiyah, of, of all of the different pilgrims. This labbaik, if it's accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're accepted. And it's it's something that you should repeat again and again. Uh, and, and that's that. This is not a time to make small talk, not a time to chat. Which university did you get into? Or did you get your, how's your job application going? I heard YouTube is running a new service. I heard Twitter is going like this and Facebook and Snapchat and all this other nonsense. This is not the time for any of those things, right? What is it, Haram Sheikh? This, no, it's just not the time for it. It's not the time for it. You can talk about all that stuff when you're when you're out of ihram. Really, preferably, you can just talk about the stuff when you get home. But especially when you're in ihram, that's not the time that you should you should be there. Rather, your whole focus and your whole attention should be on the uh, the, the, the 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 visitation of the house of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So you keep saying the talbiya as a point of as a point of uh, knowledge, it is a sunnah to enter Makkah Mukarramah in from the east, and it's a sunnah to leave from the west. The eastern road into Makkah Mukarramah is from a place called Kada'a, Kada'a Thaniya, which is the modern-day uh, neighborhood, I'm told, of, uh, uh, of Makkah Mukarramah called Kuday. That's where like the car park and all that stuff is. So we'll probably enter in from there. Obviously, if you try telling the bus driver any of this stuff, he's going to be like, what? Uh, so don't worry about it. But inshallah, at least some things you know you have an intention, uh, uh, you know, and you know about it. Then uh, 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 your your intention is: if I could have, I would have done this. Then at least you'll receive some reward for it. Um, 
when we arrive at the hotel, inshallah, it's a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that he used to pitch camp at the at the edge of Makkah Mukarramah, and then he would uh, 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 sleep the night, and then in the morning he would make another ghusl and enter with the sunrise into Makkah Mukarramah. That's obviously not going to be possible. But when we get to the hotel, you know, if you wish to, uh, you can take a quick take a quick shower, go drop your stuff in the room, take a quick shower. Again, be careful. Don't run your fingers through your beard or like soap it up and like wipe. This is just a just water shower just to, you know, uh, get yourself uh, uh, whatever sweat or whatever, you know, get that washed off of you. And uh, uh, um, you put on your ihram again, dry yourself off with a towel, not too rigorously to, you know, remove hair and things like that. And, and, and then what? Then we will have a group of people, inshallah, our elders who need to take a break or whatever. We let them rest and take a break. Those of you who are able to, inshallah, we'll regroup in the lobby and then walk straight to the Haram Sharif. The hotel that we have in Makkah Mukarramah, it's a hotel I've stayed in when I went to Hajj for two years. It's a nice hotel and it's really not that far away. The only hotels that are closer than it are the, the, the clock tower hotels. But it's actually quicker to get from our hotel to the Haram because the clock tower, you have to go through like three different elevators and four different escalators and through the mall and all this other nonsense. Um, and as you can tell, a mall is a mall and it's not the most spiritual place in the world. So we just get to walk by with all of the like other Muslims that come from the different countries of the world. We get to walk with them, bypass all of that stuff and just go straight into the Haram. So it really won't take us that long to get to the Haram. It will take us just as long as someone else, maybe even quicker. So we will walk over and uh, 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 and we will uh, uh, make our Umrah right away. All this time, so there's a difference of opinion in the Maliki school, the, the Talbiyah, you stop saying the Talbiyah once... Uh, uh, once you can see the, once you see the Masjid al-Haram. In the Hanafi school, I think you keep doing the Talbiyah until you start making Tawaf. The idea is that, that uh, uh, um, the Talbiyah should be going all the way until, and both of them really, there's not a whole lot of difference between them, to be honest with you. But you can follow whatever Masjid that you're, you're, uh, you're accustomed to following. Um... So that's 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 uh, uh, the there's another boundary that I neglected to mention that the first we, we said first we dar, cross from Darul Kufr into Darul Islam, then we cross the Miqat, and then there's something called the Haram. When we say the Haram, the word Haram, it doesn't mean Al Masjid Al Haram. Al Masjid Al Haram and the Haram are two different things. Although some people use them interchangeably, technically speaking, they're not the same. The Haram is a perimeter, a sacred boundary that's around the city of Makkah Mukarramah. Okay? That sacred boundary extends uh, in the direction of the west a bit further, uh, uh, but it extends around the city of Makkah Mukarramah on all sides. So from Jeddah, we'll actually enter into it uh, uh, a little bit earlier. There's like that big like overpass with the like the... the like the kind of Quran stand looking overpass that will cross and then you'll see these like stone markers that will will say that this is this you know I mean they'll say it in Arabic that this is the had of the, the the haram the haram once you cross into it it is haram to kill anything it's haram to disturb anything it's haram to uproot any plants it's haram to disturb anything and that place that's the place where Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam talks about your prayers are going to be worth so much more than your your regular prayers. There's a difference of opinion. Some people they say it's only for the Masjid al-Haram, the actual building itself. Uh, 
And the proof that that's not the case is what? Is that the Masjid al-Haram didn't exist during the life of the Prophet ﷺ. During the life of the Prophet ﷺ, there's the Kaaba, and people just built their houses at some distance for the Kaaba just to leave some room for tawaf. Sayyidina Umar who during his reign, he purchased the houses that are near the Kaaba and had them demolished to make more room for people to make tawaf and come pray. And they set up like a gate. And subsequent rulers have expanded it out further and further. In fact, for most of the history of Islam, if you look in the classical books, Safa and Marwa was not inside the masjid. Now it's inside the masjid. Now it's part of the masjid. So the old books, they, they say like, you know, when you leave to go to do Sa'i, to Safa and Marwa, you should remember, say, Allah inni as'aluka min fadlik, because you have to leave the masjid in order to go there. It's, it's not the case anymore. So the masjid actually didn't exist in the time that the hadith was said. So this haram, entire haram, whatever act of piety that you do, if you give charity, you should bring money, by the way, for charity. Bring money, give to the other people who are visiting the house of Allah Ta'ala. Um, you know, give the cleaners, the people who are cleaning the, the, the masjid al-haram. Many of them are hafad of Qur'an and they're very religious people. Uh, they don't get paid almost anything. They come and they do this as, as a service for Islam. Uh, uh, and they're very pious people, and you'll see people everywhere. All of these acts of piety you do, all the dhikr that you do, all of the talbiyah, all of these things, because you're in the haram, and you're also, on top of that, you're in a state of ihram, all of them will, 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 will garner for you a, a, a greater amount of reward. But you should also be very concerned and very careful that just as you'll have a greater amount of reward for these things, also, if you commit a sin, there's more punishment. It's more uh, 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 blameworthy. So don't sit in the mall. Don't sit in the Starbucks and you know walk, look at people as they walk by. Don't talk garbage about people. Don't backbite people. Don't tell your opinion about how someone's hair is looking or any of this other nonsense. Just just leave it alone. Uh, and 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 really, you know, in, in general, this should be a very low, low conversation type uh, uh, time. But uh, uh, if you do speak to people, be very careful about how you speak to people. Uh, and so, you know, obviously, you know, you'll see things like, for example, unfortunately in the Muslim world, like littering is a, a thing that people do it a lot. It's not good. You may see other people in Ihram littering or other people in Ihram smoking or doing God knows what, right? Look, mashallah, Allah Ta'ala gave you guys large amounts of education. You come from families that are, uh, are well off. Uh, you come from different background than other people do. There are people, the entire ummah is coming for Umrah. There are some people like, you know, if you were raised in a family with like 10 kids and your father worked seven days a week and your mother had to raise everybody at the same time and whatever, maybe there's certain adab that you weren't taught. For those people, maybe that person who's smoking a cigarette and throwing his wrapper on the side of the road, that person's ihram is more accepted by Allah Ta'ala than yours is. So don't just walk around judging people. But our adab is what? That we don't do stuff like that. So don't do it. Even if you see other people, don't do it. Even if you have to carry the garbage in your hand for like a mile, carry it in your hand for a mile, you can go throw it away later. But show adab. And one of it is, you know, some people say, oh, uh, you know, they have street sweepers. They have street sweepers there to sweep up the garbage from the road because, you know, people don't, whatever. So, you know, they, they don't throw things in the garbage cans and things like that. It's not just that the garbage gets picked up. It's about how you treat that place. So show your love through the way you behave in those places. That if something's a thing to you, then, you know, like for example, like, you know, if you point with your, this is a desi thing like this, the uncles will point at stuff with their middle finger. It's very awkward, right? 
Maybe if he does that, it's not a big deal, right? Because but for us, don't do it. You know, just like that. Just whatever for you, your way of showing your love to the Haram Sharif. Then, then uh, you know, this these are certain issues that transcend the law. So you'll cross the the border the the, the border into the Haram on the bus. Uh, maybe about forty five minutes before we get to the uh, get to the hotel, an hour depending on traffic. Then when we get to the hotel, go uh, take the second shower. Again, this one is like not no soap and rubbing and all that stuff. Just a just a very basic shower, and then get on get into get you know get put your ihram back on and then head downstairs. Then we'll walk over to the Haram Sharif. It's a very short walk. It's not a very long walk at all. The first thing when you enter into the Masjid al-Haram, keep your gaze down. When you enter into the gates, keep your gaze down. Inshallah, one of the group leaders will tell you to look up when you see the Kaaba. It's a narration that the first dua a person says when they see the Kaaba uh, is an accepted dua. Inshallah, every dua of the believers is accepted, but that's a special dua. So many of the ulama say that that's a good time to say Rabbana atina fi dunya hasanatan wa fil akhirati hasanatan wa qina adhab al-nar Allah Ta'ala give us in this dunya good and in the akhirah good and protect us from the torment of the fire. Imam Hanifa, it said that his opinion was that a person should ask Allah Ta'ala to be mustajab dua that you ask Allah Ta'ala to answer all of your prayers at that time. Whatever you want to make, however short or long it is, think about it from beforehand so that you're not tongue-tied at that point. And then you look up and you see the Kaaba and you make dua at that time. We will, inshallah, at that time descend into the Mataf. The Mataf is the lowest part of the uh, Masjid al-Haram. And uh, uh, that is the place, as the name implies, where Tawaf happens. Okay, It is a sunnah that the first three circuits of Tawaf uh, should be you should move quickly. Now we're going to describe the rights of Umrah right now. Everyone should listen very carefully. Why? Because it's almost impossible that the group is going to stay together at this point. There's a very good chance you'll be separated from one another. So you should know what to do so that if you get separated from the group, you can complete your rituals without freaking out. No one is going to go Yom Qiyamah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with Mulana Saab at their side. All of us are going to go with our own acts individually. Obviously, we will try our best to stay with the group. If you get separated, you get separated, you should be prepared for that. And not be like, oh my God, I didn't know what to do. This is horrible. Okay, learn the, this. these are fara'id anyway. It's fard on everyone to do hajj. These are the same rituals you have to do in hajj as well. So learn them. It's a fard to learn them anyway. So learn them and do them. Inshallah, we'll be there. If you know, Inshallah, we won't get separated. But if we do, you should be prepared so that you don't, you know, freak out and things like that. So the gate that we're going to enter into the haram from, okay, it's called Ajiad. Alif Jim Ya Alif Dal A J Y A D Ajiad. We're going to enter into the haram from the Ajiad gate. The Ajiyad gate is the gate that faces our hotel. It's called the Ajiyad gate. Ajiyad. So after seeing the Kaaba and making your dua, we will descend down the staircases into the Mataf, inshallah. 
if the Mataf is like mega crowded, which is possible, then we'll go up the escalators to the roof. The roof, the tawaf from the roof is very difficult in the sense that what? It's a much longer, obviously the further you go out from the uh, from the Kaaba, the longer your, your circuits are. But it's nice in the sense that it's, you're not like jostling people, nor are you getting jostled by people. If the mataf is relatively open, we'll descend into the mataf, inshallah. It'll be a bit more crowded, but there's a lot less walking. If it's super crowded, then moving quickly for the first three circuits is obviously going to be very difficult. You should, the, the sunnah is khabab uh, or ramal, that you should move just slightly slower than jogging. That sunnah is for the men, it's not for the women. The women walk all seven uh, circuits, all seven circuits uh, uh, um, at their own pace. There's a difference of opinion at this time. Uh, according to Imam Abu Hanifa and according to the Jamhur, uh, it is a sunnah for the men to bear the right arm that you slip your your ihram underneath your 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 uh, uh, right armpit and you bear your right shoulder. This is because the Prophet ﷺ ordered the these two things. This bearing your right arm is called ibtiba, and uh, and uh, hustling for the first three circuits is called ramal or khabab. And uh, the reason for, for the Ramal is that the Prophet ﷺ, because there are several years that they used to make Umrah, while uh, uh, Makkah Mukarramah was still run by the Mushrikeen. And so the Mushrikeen, they said, oh look, they became weak after they left because of the plague of Yathrib and whatever. The Prophet ﷺ removed the plague from Yathrib through his du'as and they didn't become weak. So he wanted to show the Mushrikeen that, 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 that we're not weak anymore. So he ordered the khabab to show them that, that, that the Muslims still have vigor and strength. And he ordered the ittiba to bear the right shoulder uh, to show, basically to show the, their uh, arms that they're strong, that they're, that they're warriors as an act of intimidation. The fatwa of Malik is what? Is that the, uh, uh, the khabab, the ramal showing the vigor of the Muslims is still masnoon. And the intimidation of ittiba it, is mansukh, it's, it's abrogated because there's no one there to intimidate anymore. Uh, at any rate, it's a difference of opinion. You can follow whichever opinion you want. In either case, neither of them is a, a rukan or a, a condition of the validity of the umrah. But that's just a small ilmi point. So you'll hustle for the for, for the first three circuits. Where does your tawaf start from? Your tawaf starts from the black stone. If you're able to kiss the black stone, you should kiss it. Newsflash, you're not going to be able to kiss it. So just leave it alone. If you're not able to kiss the black stone, it's a sunnah to touch it and then put your, your fingers on your lips. You won't be able to touch it either. If you can't touch it, it's a sunnah to what? To face the black stone from far away and to say the takbir, Allahu Akbar. This is another difference of opinion. According to the Hanafi school, a person should raise their both hands when they, uh, when they face the black stone and they make the talbiyah. Or they can raise one hand and make ishara with one hand, make a like uh, wave with one hand. Uh, Malik considered that you do neither. You just say Allahu Akbar. You don't. You don't. You don't point or, or wave with your hands. Again, difference of opinion. Neither of them are are conditions of, of validity at any rate. But it's just for your own uh, knowledge and uh, uh, understanding. So the tawaf, the circuit starts from where? From the black stone. Doesn't start from anywhere else. So the Ajiyad gate 
enters in another good thing about the Ajiad gate that we're coming from. It enters in just shy of the black stone. So you don't have to like do kind of like a half a lap before get you know starting your tawaf. So when you start the when you start the 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 tawaf, you said your Allahu Akbar and you started your tawaf. What is a sunnah? What do you do while you're in tawaf? You walk around the Kaaba, you make sure that some part of your left hand side is always facing the Kaaba. Don't turn all the way away from it. While you're walking around the Kaaba, it is a sunnah to what? It's a sunnah to uh, um, uh, make dua. Which dua? Any dua you can think of. The duas of the Quran and Sunnah are wonderful. The duas that come into your heart, Allah Ta'ala will put those duas in your heart for the things that you need uh, 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 while you're there because that's a place where the duas are accepted. You're going to make a lot of dua in this journey. So open up the like the water faucet of dua inside of your heart and don't worry about anything. Just keep making dua again for different things. Anything you can think of, big, small, for this world, for the hereafter, for your parents, for your children, for the nations of the earth, for the oppressed, for for whoever, for your neighbors, for the people you know that you wish Allah to give them hidayah. All of these things make dua for all of these things, all of these people. That's the time to make dua for. So you will uh, uh, make sure also the semicircular wall that is on the north, uh, 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 the north and west uh, uh, facing corner, because the Kaaba is, the corners of the Kaaba are oriented to the cardinal directions. So the northwest side, there's a semicircular wall around it. It's called the Hatim. Uh, 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 um, the area inside the Hatim is called the the Hijr of Ismail salam. Don't cross into it or under it. The Kaaba has a buttress. It's called Shadarwan. You'll notice that at the base of the Kaaba, it comes out a little bit and then it comes back in. Make sure your feet don't come underneath the the buttress uh, of the Kaaba because the the outer outer uh, border of that buttress of the Shadarwan is is the uh, is the outer. Uh, uh, the outer boundary of the Kaaba. Why did they build it like that? Long story. Maybe we can talk about it on the trip. So, make sure your body is completely outside of the Kaaba. Don't reach in while you're making tawaf, uh, except for to touch the black stone, and make sure you reach out. Don't reach in while walking. Right? If you reach in and touch, make sure that you pull your hand out all, as well that no part of your body is inside the boundaries of the Kaaba while walking. If you're stationary, you can reach in and reach out, but don't put your hand in while walking because then your hand will not have been outside of the Kaaba for the full circuit. So the Kaaba has four corners. The first corner you cross is the black stone, and next to it is the door. The second and third corners that you're going to cross are, are uh, 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 attached to this semicircular wall, the Hatim. Don't stick your hands on top of it and stuff like that. Don't touch it even. Just stay a little bit away from it. Um, the Hatim, what's inside the Hatim is also considered inside the Kaaba, even though it's not inside the physical building of the Kaaba now. It's a Sunnah also at some point in your trip, in your visit, to pray inside the Kaaba. Uh, obviously, they're not going to open the building of the Kaaba for you now, but if you go inside the Hatim and pray, you can do that. All of these things require patience. Don't jostle people. Don't push people. People will push you. Just calm down. Some people come from parts of the world where that's very common to jostle one another in crowds. 
Uh, you don't do it to anybody. Be very careful about old people, weak people. If you're a man, be, be careful about the women. If you're a woman, be careful about the men. Don't get too much into the crowd. Uh, that you have to that you're pressed up against pe uh, uh, people of the opposite gender and things like that. Um, the uh, uh, so you you ground the first corner is what blackstone right al hajr al aswad, and the second third corners are what the hatim right. The fourth corner is what they call the rukun yamani. Why do they call it rukun yamani? Because it faces south. What's south? Yemen, right? The Rukun Yamani, it's a sunnah to touch it. You don't kiss it. You'll see like everyone kissing it, don't kiss it. You know, they get a mashallah sportsmanship award for like loving the Kaaba, but that like it's a completely fake fail. Okay? What you do, you touch the touch the Rukun Yamani, and this is possible, especially for bigger guys, mashallah, someone like someone like Bahai Wasim, you lurch over all the small like hujaj from like different countries and just like touch it with your hand, and then you put your fingers on your mouth without you don't make the kissing noise. You just put your fingers on your mouth. If you're not able to do that, then you just face the Rukun Yamani and say Allahu Akbar, just like you do with the black stone. Why is it that the, the two, the southern and eastern corners are like this and the northern and the western corners are not? Is it racism against Seattle in the northwest? No. The reason is that the, 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 the corner, the, the southern corner and the eastern corner, right, the Rukun Yamani and the black stone, they're original, they're original foundations of the Kaaba. Hmm. Whereas the north and the east, they're actually not. And there's a long story with that. We'll get into it later. But khair. it's narrated in the books of Hadith that the Prophet wasallam, when the last sector of the Tawaf, Tawaf that's between the Rukun Yamani and the uh, Blackstone, that in that last sector of the Tawaf, he would say, "Rabbana atina fi dunya hasanatan wa fil akhirati hasanatan wa qina adab nar." Oh, our Lord, give us in this dunya something beautiful and in the hereafter something beautiful and protect us from the torment of the fire. Uh, but you, at any rate, you just keep making dua. So from, from Blackstone to Blackstone, that's one circuit. Okay? Every time you'll pass the Blackstone, you'll, you'll make what they call istilam, which is what? Face the, face the Blackstone and say Allahu Akbar. So you'll do it at the first time when you come at the zero point, and then after one circuit, after two circuits, after three circuits, after four circuits, after five circuits, after six circuits, after seven circuits. So how many times does that does that come out to for Istilam? Eight. Eight. Look. Zero, one, oh. two, three, four, five, six, seven. So that comes out to what? Eight. When you're done with your eighth circuit... Then if you're able to and if you wish to, it is a sunnah to go to the multazam. The multazam is the area between the door and between the black stone. It will be mega crowded, but it will not be like as like mashallah uh, World War Three of like pious Muslims crowded as the black stone is. So if it's difficult, you can skip it if you wish to. The benefit of going to the multazam is what? Is that that's a place of ijabat uh, dua That's a place also where du'as are answered. There, our history is replete with a number of interesting and strange and wonderful stories of du'as being answered in the multazam. That a person makes du'a of all sorts of stuff that there's no way it could happen, and then it happens.
after that, then a person should retreat from the Kaaba, fan out. You're not going to be able to like cut out in a straight line because everyone else is making tawaf, but you'll kind of fan out with the tawaf, moving further and further out. The the Maqam Ibrahim is a place that's in front of the door. It's like a small like little shrine that's in front of the door. It's a sunnah to pray to. It's a sunnah to pray. It's you actually part of the part of the umrah is to pay two rakahs there. It, the location is a sunnah that it can be those two rakahs can be anywhere in the Masjid al Haram. Don't try to pray there because you will interrupt the flow of tawaf and the Saudi guards will completely like harass you and like humiliate you in front of people and it's not completely their fault because they're looking at what's the good of the rest of the Muslims. They everyone has to make tawaf. No one has to pray their two rakahs there. Right? So don't put yourself in a place that you're embarrassed and harass them that they have to harass you. And it's just a bad thing. I did it one time. I prayed my two rakahs there. Uh, a Saudi guard uh, who was probably like five feet tall. Uh, he pushed me as hard as he could. And I like moved like while praying because I'm like, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have prayed here while I'm praying. But I can't break the prayer either. So, you know, I just put myself in this bad position. So he pushed me. He ran up, pushed at me as hard as he could. And uh, uh, I moved like a foot. And then he did it again second time moved another foot, did third time, moved another foot. And he's now by this point completely winded and out of breath. <sighs> and he just storms off in anger, right? That wasn't good. Don't do that. Don't put yourself in that situation. I did it because I didn't have a good Mulan Asab to remind me about that stuff at that point. Okay? Don't do not do that. They're, as Sometimes those the guards, by the way, sometimes they're extremely rude. One of the reasons they're rude, maybe some of them actually are rude people, but one of the reasons that they are, not all of them are. One of the reasons they are is because when you have to communicate with like a million people in a different, like in a thousand different languages, and sometimes villagers, for example, they don't pick up on subtlety. So you have to shout stuff at them, and they don't even think it's, they don't even mind it, you know? It's just normal for for them. Uh, um, they're like, okay, cool. You know, like they won't even get it if you try to ask polite. They don't understand what you're, you know? Uh, so they have to communicate with everybody. Oftentimes, it's just easiest for them to communicate at the lo- lowest common denominator. So don't be all offended and stuff. They're they're there even if they're telling you something that's not necessarily make a lot of sense. They are there. Their intention at least is there for the 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 good of the uh, everybody who's visiting the thing. Don't jostle them. Don't give them a hard time. Okay. Uh, uh, so the the point is okay. You'll read in the books that it's a sunnah to pray at that place. You won't be able to pray just at that place because it's going to interrupt the flow of, of pilgrims. So retreat out. Just pray. Keep it in a line between you and the Kaaba. And just retreat out as far as you need to in order to not be in the way of people making tawaf. And just pray from there, inshallah. So you'll pray two rakahs. In these two rakahs, also it's a sunnah to do what? To read, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ in the first rakah and, and قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٍ in the second one. And it's also a place that you should make dua afterward because your duas are answered. After that, it's a sunnah to go and drink some zamzam. There are coolers, containers, dispensers, fountains of zamzam all over the Haram Sharif. You'll probably be thirsty by that time anyway. Tawaf, like salat, has to be done in wudu. If there's any chance at all that you might have to use the bathroom, please do it before you leave. Someone's like, well, I made three circuits and then I had to leave the masjid and what? I'm sorry, you got to start over again. 
there's some difference of opinion about it, but there's very complicated instructions and whatever. It's just really the best thing. Just make your wudu beforehand and don't, don't whatever. Like I said, if there's any, re- you have like the fact that you have to ask yourself, well, should I make wudu or not? Or should I use the bathroom or not? Just use it then. If it even crosses your mind, just use the bathroom and just, you know, make wudu from beforehand. If your wudu breaks, you know, there are small stations that you can make wudu from the zamzam water or whatever. Uh, but you have to be on wudu while you're uh, while you're in doing tawaf. So we did tawaf. We did our two rakahs, and now what we're gonna do is we're gonna exit toward the masaa. Sa'i is the Arabic word for going between Safa and Marwa. The masaa is the name for the place that Sa'i happens, meaning the area between Safa and Marwa. The Sa'i happens on a number of different levels. I'm not talking about like spiritual levels. That's probably true. That's true as well. But I'm talking about like physically, there is a basement. There's a first floor, second floor, third floor. Okay. If the first floor is really packed, then don't do it on the first floor. Go into the basement and go into the second floor. Fair enough. There are markers on the ground. Most of the mountain of Safa and Marwa is like consumed within the building of the Kaaba. So there are markers on the floor that mark where the mountains start. It is a sunnah. The way to do sa'i properly is that you stand on safa, face the qibla, and make dua for a long time. Then start walking. There is in the batan al-masil, in the bottom of the valley, it's a sunnah to run. For the men. It's not a sunnah for the women. It's a sunnah for the men to run. This is very interesting. Because the original Sa'i was inaugurated by who? By Hajar alayhi salam, the wife of Sayyidina Ibrahim, the mother of Sayyidina Ismail alayhi salam. But she was a, a, a woman that's there alone. There's no other people there with her. Uh, if the sisters all ran over there, it would become inappropriate. So it's a sunnah for the men to run between the in the in the 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 dip of the valley that's it's a bit closer to Safa than it is to Marwa. Um, now you're gonna be in like a completely marbled out floor, right? So how are you supposed to know where it is? There are vertical green vertical lights in the walls that indicate, and on the roof as well, that indicate that you're in the Batal Masil. So from the green light to the green light, that means run. Please don't plow into people. Be very careful. Maneuver around people. Be very careful. Don't just like plow into people, knock into people. Zishan, if you do it, it's bad enough. If someone like me does it, we'll probably both end up in, <laughs> mashallah, a shaheed fi sabilillah. Because uh, it's a very hard floor and things like that. So be careful. If they're like mopping and things like that, right? Safety is unfortunately not like as big of a deal in other parts of the world as it is over here. If the floor is like wet, be careful. Like look for like moisture on the floor because you could slip and slide. Um, and it's not going to be fun like in the commercials. Okay? So just, you know, be careful. A little jog is fine. You don't have to like all out 100 meter dash like Hussein Bolt sprint down the thing because you're, mashallah, bleeding with pyatitis. You know, that's fine. Just, a little, you know, pick up the pace a little bit and then you're fine. Don't go so fast you're going to hurt someone. So you will walk from Safa to Marwa. When you get to Marwa, you stop. Face the Qibla and make dua for a long time. Okay? People will be walking by you, stand on the side. So you stop to make dua once, 
and then you went from Safa to Marwa. You have to stop start at Safa. And then you'll stop a second time at Marwa. This is you have to go back back and forth between Safa and Marwa seven times, right? So look. Safa, you, sisters, you can count on your fingers with me, okay? Safa, Marwa, Safa, Marwa, Safa, Marwa. So sorry, from Safa, so you're going, sorry, Safa to Marwa, Marwa to Safa, Safa to Marwa, Marwa to Safa, Safa to Marwa, Marwa to Safa, Safa to Marwa. So you end at Marwa. Your seven will start. Some people do this, they'll do seven round trips. Mashallah, the first seven times you went, the first like three and a half round trips was Umrah. The other three and a half round trips was good for cardiovascular health. You're not getting swab for it, except for the du'as you make and things, right? So each one-way trip, it counts as one, and you're going to go seven back and forth. You'll make du'a how many times? Eight. Safa, Marwa, Safa, Marwa, Safa, Marwa, Safa, Marwa. Right? Because the zero time you make du'a, then when you get to Marwa, that's one. Then you make du'a there. You make du'a a total of eight times. Four times at Safa and four times at Marwa. Okay? Um, you, if your wudu breaks in Sa'i, it's recommended to have wudu. So you can stop there like these uh, Zamzam dispensary areas. You can make a quick wudu over there, inshallah. Especially where the drains are. So don't like to spill the water on the marble, but like in the drains. You can make wudu. It's recommended to have wudu during that time. But it's not. it won't break your sa'i in that sense. So these are the rites of Umrah. Okay? The four highlights are what? Gotta be in ihram. Gotta do your tawaf. Uh, gotta do your two raka'ahs after tawaf. Gotta do your sa'i. Okay? But you're not, you're still in ihram. Even though you finished the rites of Umrah, you're still in ihram until what? Until tahallul. Tahallul means what? That you're, re- you're released from ihram. So how are you going to do your tahallul? For the, for the brothers, it's by halq and, and, and qasr for the sisters. Halq means what? There are barbers. There's a barber near our hotel. They're very jovial people for some reason. Most of the barbers that I run across are all Punjabis. They're very jovial and happy people. If you tell them to cut your beard, they will not. So don't cut your beard anyway. But uh, um, basically, they'll they'll offer you to cut your hair. If your hair is less than... The minimum amount of hair that you have to cut is Qadrul Anmula. Uh, meaning a finger section. like So you're like the fingertip section. You have to cut that much. If your hair is shorter than that, you have to shave your head. Like mine, mine is shorter than that, I have to shave my head. If you have like long hair, right... It's mustahab, it's recommended for a man to shave his head anyway. You know, mashallah, come on, you're an umrah, man. Just, just do it, man. Just just shave your head, okay? Don't be a hater. Don't be like, oh, I have to shoot a Pantene commercial when I get back. Mashallah. Coming back from Hajj with a shaven head, this is the this is the hairstyle, this is the hairdo of the uliya, man. Mashallah, right? Just shave your head. But uh, uh, at any rate, if your hair is shorter than that, you have to shave your head. If it's longer than that, the minimum tahallul is by cutting a finger section of each hair off from your head. Sisters, it's haram for you to shave your heads. Please don't shave your head. 
Obviously, none of the sisters were planning on doing that anyway. For the sisters, the qasr is a sunnah that they cut, just cut a uh, finger section of hair off from every hair. The sisters are obviously not going to go to the barber shop. Saudi Arabia is, mashallah, uh, an arch conservative society. If a sister walks into the barber shop and asks a man to cut her hair, people will probably like start running or something like that. I mean, it's seven different types of problems will occur. Uh, uh, and really, mashallah, good, you know, good for them in that aspect. So, uh, sisters, pack you, pack like a small pair of scissors with you. Pa- and you know, pack a small pair of scissors with you. Don't be like, oh, someone else will bring it. Someone else will bring it. They'll get the reward. But like we talked about in the beginning, you should be prepared, inshallah. Um, you know, if you're with your husband, brother, whatever, uh, uh, or with another sister, you know, you can ask your family member to cut it for you, or you can ask one of the other sisters to do it for you. Just cut your each other's hairs in the hair in the uh, in the hotel room. Um, brothers, I guess you could do that as well, but like shaving your head like requires a straight edge razor. If you try shaving your head with a safety razor, it's not going to really work out. So. Um, you can, you know, the barber is probably a better a better solution for it. They're good at what they do, mashallah. They have these sanitary razors. They'll open them up right there in front of you, and they'll, it's mashallah, it's a pretty good deal, mashallah. Um, at any rate, once you have the haircut, uh, that either your head is shaved or a finger section of hair is removed from every, uh, from every finger, the special, the special uh, um, restrictions of ihram are done. You can go home, go to your hotel room, put on your regular clothes. You can put on your perfume. You can put on, you know, whatever uh, moisturizing, exfoliating, alpha, beta, hydroxy, um, apricot scrub cream thing that you put on. Uh, I'm not really into all that stuff, but khair, uh, whatever you're into, mashallah, you can put all those things. You can use them again, um, you know, uh, um I with the husband and wife thing you can be husband and wife again you know don't do too much PDA it's a very conservative society they're not going to appreciate it but uh you know uh if you're mashallah if you're married and you're mashallah have a double room then whatever else happens is your own business uh the point is is what the things that were not haram before ihram they're again allowed for you except the caveat that I would caution everybody please still out of respect for that place be careful and if there's a doubt in your mind about saying something or doing something that whether it's respectful or not that's not the place to mess with that so you know because those are places that your taqwa will be rewarded more than it is in other places and your sins will be punished worse uh, so just be be just be careful about it you know try to be cautious about it now the rest of your time in makkah mukarramah inshallah uh, uh, you know pray your prayers uh, in the haram uh, make as much tawaf as you can you know how it's tahiyatul masjid, when you walk into a masjid, you should read two rak'ahs first and then sit down. The tahiyah of the haram sharif for the people of the afaq, for the people who come from the different nations of the earth, is tawaf. So walk in and start making tawaf. If you're making tawaf and uh, it's time for the fard prayer, uh, you keep tawafing until the word qad qamat salah is said. And then at that time, you turn face the Kaaba and pray with the people. Then once assalamu alaikum is said, get up and start making tawaf again. Don't stop for janazah, dua, dhikr, all that stuff. You do it later. 
that's even during the tawaf of your umrah, if that happens, if the prayer is called, the qadqamat salah is called, at that point then you stop, and then you get up after the salam is done and get up and start tawafing again. Uh, um, but the point is, is that that uh, uh, you know there is such a thing uh, uh, as a, what they call a nafil tawaf. Um, this is something like, for example, in the salat, the uh, 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 the best part of the salat and the most afdal and virtuous part of the salat is the sajda. In hajj and umrah, tawaf is to hajj and umrah like sajda is to salat. The only difference is that sajda is not a separate act of worship. It's act of worship within the Salat. Whereas, Tawaf is a separate act of worship. So it's a Sunnah to make Umrah once in your year. After that, uh, um, after that, the best use of your time is to what? Is make uh, Nafal Tawaf. And Nafal Tawaf is what? Again, Blackstone to Blackstone, seven circuits. Each time you make Istilam of the Blackstone. And then afterward, you read two rakahs, and that's a separate act of worship. Don't just be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do three, three rounds, or, three rounds, or what?" That's not an act of worship. It's seven times, and then two rakahs. Um, that's one unit. Uh, and so, if you want maximum reward, you'll get it by what? By making as many tawas as possible. Now, some folks they roll into Makkah Mukarramah like, "Yeah, I promised my puppy and you know my puppy's uh, uh, cousin's best friend's cat." And, uh, uh, you know, my neighbor and, uh, you know, uh, June bug down, you know, my cousin in Mississippi and all these other people, uh, I promised them that I'm going to make Umrah for them. Okay, good for you. You're going to, mashallah, be in great cardiovascular shape after doing all those sa'is and all this other stuff. But uh, the as far as getting the maximum amount of reward, it's in doing the most number of tawafs. It's only a sunnah to make Umrah once in a year. Uh, if you made the promises, then by all means fulfill them. The way you'll do that is you have to exit the haram. Remember we said the haram is a boundary around the city? The closest boundary marker is in a place called uh, Tan'im. The, the modern name of Tan'im is Masjid Aisha. There's a masjid over there. It has showers. You can shower, change your clothes, read your two rakahs, and then come back, labaking all the way back to Mecca. Uh, you know, and the cab drivers will also make their rizq as well, uh, ferrying you back and forth. And you you know you can do all that stuff, but you have to leave the haram in order to take a haram again in order to do umrah again. So for those people who are going to do that, that's how you do it. Uh, I, I probably won't be accompanying you, so have a good time. Uh, um, the the other thing I wanted to say with regards to that was yeah, then you have to run the razor over your already shaved head again and all that stuff. If you promise somebody already, then you know go ahead and fulfill your promise. But if you want the maximum reward, yes, that's what I want to say. If you want the maximum reward, then after your first, after your umrah, then just do as many tawafs as you can. Um, a good time to go is like two at night or uh, uh, mid morning. Two at night's better than mid morning because the sun's not beating down on you. But those are the times when the the haram sharif seems uh, a little bit less crowded. Uh, if you go in the prayer times, it'll be mega crowded. Um, the, the the other thing I want to say is that there's no such thing as nafal sa'i. Like you want to do sa'i back and forth. Sa'i is only an act of worship within umrah or within hajj. So you don't just do like sa'is on their own. But nafal tawaf is a thing that there's a tawaf. Seven circuits, black stone to black stone. Eight istilam, seven circuits, then two rakahs of, of, uh, 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 of, two rakahs of, uh, um, 
with the tawaf, and that's one unit of worship. Uh, again, when you're not doing tawaf, that's a good time to go and explore the Kaaba. Go try to get into the Multazam, go stand in the door, go try to, to kiss the black stone. Kissing the black stone is almost near impossible without hurting another person. And so if that's the case, just don't kiss it. You made your niyyah, Allah Ta'ala will reward you for it. At the end of the day, it's just a stone. It's a sunnah to kiss it. If you can do so without harming people, harming people is haram. If you push someone's grandma, it's like a pretty like horrible thing to do, a kamina thing to do anyway, right? If you push someone's grandma in front of the Kaaba, then you're not a good person, okay? And there are people who do it. They get all like, mashallah, gung-ho, Allahu Akbar, jihad fi sabillah, mowed up in front of the black stone, and they're all like, you know, whatever. They get all hyped up and things like that. Uh, you know, good for you. We're not going to do that. If you're patient, there it is possible to do it, but it's going to take a really long time, and even then, you may be there for two hours and not get to it. I'm, you know, I mean, it's possible if someone kisses it, right? But I'm just saying, if you're not going to be able to have that amount of patience to stand there for two hours and then accept defeat at the end of it, just don't even, don't even, don't even go there. Um, any questions about? This this is this is like our stay in Makkah Mukarramah. Obviously, we're gonna have like darses like after Asr time and things like that. Baizul Karnain will talk a little bit about that. But are there any questions right now about Umrah or about about uh, um, our time in Makkah Mukarramah? Um, yeah, I, I had a question about uh, perfuming yourself. Are you allowed to do it before you enter the state of Ihram? You are allowed. Yeah, you are allowed to perfume yourself before you enter into the state of Ihram. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes in the athar that that Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar radiAllahu anhu used to perfume his Ihram as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't do it just because then people would be like, "Oh my God, this guy put on perfume." It's just gonna cause like a ruckus and things like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, if you did, if you had perfume on you before you said labake the first time, then you're not in violation. Can we pray inside the Kaaba in the middle of? Uh, while you're doing tawaf, you cannot enter into the Kaaba. In fact, be very careful not to enter into the Kaaba, uh, even in your with your foot or with any of that stuff. And the two rakahs of tawaf and the farth prayers, you cannot pray it inside the Kaaba. But when you're not, when you're done with tawaf or you're not making tawaf actively, that's a good time to try to get into the hatim, and uh, uh, um, and 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 pray inside there, and that counts as praying inside the Kaaba. Where is the Qibla when you're inside the Kaaba? You can pray any direction. Although everyone will probably pray toward the direction of the building. If you pray the other way, people will think you're weird and like probably yell at you. So don't do it. But it is technically valid. Um, fun fact. Mufti Muslihuddin, the Shaykh al-Hadith of the Darulum in Dewsbury. He's from Baroda in Gujarat. Uh, uh, one of his students told me that he two times uh, prayed inside the Hatim. It's inside the Kaaba and read the entire Quran in two raka'ahs. So, in case anyone thought they were pious, alhamdulillah. Questions? Um, yeah, this is a Madiki question. A question. Sure. Um, if someone is in the process of making their prayers up, what do you do as far as the turaqah? Uh, no, you yeah, you you read the turaqah as 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 nawafil. Okay. Uh, and then spend the rest of your time making your prayers up in the Haram Sharif. Mm -hmm. How nice. So you can pray the nawafil in that case. Yeah. Yeah. In general, you can pray nawafil. This is makru to do so unnecessarily. Also, uh, so you wouldn't recommend changing into a home in the hotel and making intention there? It's, it, would I recommend making the intention of a haram from the hotel? It's makru to make a haram from before the miqat. Oh, okay. Because the problem is if you're, you're in, you're in uh, uh, Turkey... 
then imagine every time you use the bathroom, you can't use the soap, you know, and uh, you, you have to lower your gaze in the airport, which, mashallah, is not a problem for you, but for another person may be a problem. And you have to do all this like stuff. You don't want to run afoul of all these things, right? So it's actually makruh to enter ihram before you absolutely have to. Yeah, I mean, like, you should give a little reasonable buffer or whatever, but, like, mm -hmm. you know, it should be, like, 10, 15 minutes versus, like, five hours or, like, five days or something. Any other questions, sisters, brothers? And then the last question for the magic was, um, are we allowed to make tawaf above the Kaaba? Yes. Okay. In the in the classical books, it's written that it's makruh to make tawaf from the rooftops. Yeah. Uh, 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 unless, unless it's because of crowding. Mm. Uh, nowadays, it's almost perpetually crowded to the point that that it's not makruh to do that. Right? Crowding doesn't just mean like like chest to chest, like being packed up in there. Crowding is anything that will distract you from your from your ibadah. Which is, there's a lot of people there. There are sisters there. There are brothers there. There are weird like heterodox groups shouting stuff that there. There are like. Um, clueless people there. There are people chatting on their cell phone. You're in front of the Kaaba, and someone's phone will like ring. Nabi came to break the asnam in this place, and you're like, "What the hell is going on?" Someone's phone will ring with jingle bells. All this, it you know, visiting the Haramain Sharifain is beautiful because it tells you both at the same time why Islam is so amazing, and at the same time also illustrates to you why the Ummah is in the condition it's in. It's not because we're like backwards people in our teachings or what. It's because of real, like, very simple things that you know, like, stuff is going wrong. So, you know, when you see stuff like that, ask Allah to forgive that person and forgive us for the stuff that we're doing that we don't know about and that He give all of us Hidayah. So don't judge people. But there is, like, stuff going on, right? Um, so most of the time, unless the, the, the mataf is open, it's, it's, it's game to be uh, tawafing up on the roof. And the tawaf from the roof, by the way, it comes out to about three and a half miles. So, you know, if you're not able to walk that much, then you may not want to do that. And, and in the heat in the heat of the day is a good way of getting sunstroke as well. So don't if you're like sensitive to that type of stuff, don't be making tawaf in the roof in the middle of the day. If you're mashallah, uh, uh, mujahid fi sabilillah mode, you know, beast mode uh, type dude, then by all means, uh, you know, earn a high rank with Allah Ta'ala. <laughs> There are in some of the Hajj books you'll find certain du'as. In general, it's the 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 Sunnah is just to make du'a. Certain du'as are mustahsan. They they're not really Sunnah, but they're there are certain du'as that are mentioned through riwayah, not necessarily because those are du'as for the, that occasion, but those are du'as. The Prophet ﷺ must have made some du'a at that point. Mm -hmm. So they're the du'as that are narrated from him. So you'll find them in the books. But in general, during tawaf, during sa'i, mm -hmm. uh, it's just a sunnah to make du'a. Mm -hmm. Any tongue, any 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 form, however you want, just make good du'as, inshallah. You'll see people walking around with the Qur'an open or making dhikr and things like that. The sunnah there is not, not to do any of those things, it's to make du'a. You'll see like big groups of people like shouting stuff. Right. That's definitely not a sunnah. So you'll have someone from like, you know, whatever country, uh, uh, countries of the world mispronouncing and misreading du'as, uh, making grammatical mistakes and whatnot, uh, reading books that they don't know. And then like the alpha Movisab from their country will read it wrong. And then everyone else behind them will shout it wrong. And mm. that's none of that stuff is a sunnah. 
Actually, some groups they become like like oh, we don't have we're not doing that because that's not something to do. Uh, just keep making dua, inshallah, for whatever comes to your heart. So I think what we'll do, mate, right now, unless there, is there any other questions? Last question I just thought of. Go this. ahead. If you're going with a spouse, and in the case of Ramal and running between mm-hmm. the points of running between Safa and Marwa, is it okay to just like show vigor in those points and just go slow with them? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, going the if you, in the Batanul Masil between the uh, Safa and Marwa, yeah. the other thing you can do is just run and just wait for your wife to catch Probably up with you. Wait. So they're not going to take but like a minute, okay. you know. Um, the Ramal and Khabab is very difficult in the in the Mataf just because it's always crowded. Right. Um, and if you're going to do it from the roof, then I hope you're like marathon trainer because it's going to be like two miles of running. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, I think what we'll do we'll break for 10 minutes anyone needs to make wudu make wudu mm-hmm. and then we will pray asr inshallah and then we will talk a little bit about the, the visitation of Medina Munawwara and then we will also uh, then uh, Bhai Zulqarnain has some very important uh, announcements we'll give you 5 minutes at the end inshallah um, Barakallahu Fikum